Hello, darkness, my old friend. Kareev has slept Hexal again. Five, four, three, two, fun! Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Light Force, the voice you have come to love each and every week, coming straight through your earbuds, joined virtually by Omni at Omni Strife and Sam at another Sam Chan. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Crickets. Yeah, like silence, like... You know, I know these are dark times. There is no denying. You dudes did seem a little sad prior to the show. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Kareev has slept Hexal again. That's awesome. That's all I have to say. We can we can carry on now. That's that's I all he, I have to I say. think he was practicing that over the weekend. <laughs> We'll have to ask Lena if, 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 if like, just over and over again, it's like, refrain, refrain. Do I add another line? Well, I thought about maybe playing the guitar while I do that, but that's a bit too complicated, so I just ditched that. Wait, I know Sam will get the reference, but there's a guy who's a big Canucks fan who does parody videos and songs. Uh, Clay Emo, Canuck Clay. You could do the Vancouver Titans or Overwatch League version there uh, on Hopefully, I won't be emo for long, though. Then we're going to have to get rid of him, right? Oh. Oh, that's true. And or, or, or I guess he'll get rid of us. <laughs> <laughs> On the Connect podcast, Clay and I started it, and now it's just Chris. Um, but yeah, spoiler alert, if you didn't already know, and I apologize that the uh, cat's out of the bag, the Vancouver Titans lost to the Los Angeles Valiant of all teams. We'll talk we're about this. Doomed. But- we have a segment we recorded straight after from uh, the uh, sports bar at Rogers Arena after the uh, the watch party. And there's some raw emotion in there. Like, you yeah. can tell we're, we're a little, like, you know, fired up. I, I talked about this to, to Sam. Like, you know, we had, we had like, Michael flipping tables and, and Omni saying words that you just can't put into a G-rated podcast. Crazy. Some party that was. How many beeps were there? Well, there, there are no beeps. I didn't have my beep machine there. <laughs> um, the, the event itself, I thought, was really well done. The match that we got to watch, well, you're going to learn when we get into the payload that uh, it was interesting. Interesting, to say the least. But, uh, Sam, you, you, were, uh, you were playing a little uh, floorball or something like that? Yeah, so I missed the live match once again. This is coming a a bad theme. Had a little basketball game. It was the finals. I did a lot of Jeremy Linning for those that actually watch basketball. So there's a lot of standing up, cheering for my team, representing yeah. uh, my Asian brethren, even though 90% of my team is Asian. Um, not not the Linsanity version, right? Not the Linsanity. No, the Toronto Raptors NBA champion oh, okay. version. Um, but unlike, unlike your Raptors, uh, we, we ended up losing on a little bit of a controversial play where we called the timeout and we didn't have one. So, um, I feel all of Titans pain as well as, you know, my own pain. So it's a sad week. I'm, I'm so sorry, Sam, that you've had to struggle through such a weekend as you just did. I know sometimes it just gets you. 
But as for this episode, we will, as I said, talk about the two matches. The Titans didn't lose both. They were one and one for the weekend, but that one in the 19 and one, it sure hurts. We're going to jump into the fray where we'll go talk about the week that was, the week that will be, and a whole lot of moves that have been happening, the possibility of a change for stage four, and then some other Overwatch news that we've got lined up. And hey, guys, you'll have to wait, but guess which podcast got a voicemail. All that coming up soon, but we're going to take a short break as we jump directly into the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. Here we are sitting at the uh, sports bar at Rogers Arena Live, or is it the sports bar live at Rogers Arena? I am still working on that, but it is the conclusion of the watch party. It's the Los Angeles Valiant, which, spoiler alert, if you didn't tune in, did not end up well for Vancouver Titans. That's right, they lost to the Valiant. But before we get into the Valiant, let's talk about the first match of the week. And that was the match against the Chengdu Hunters, where the Vancouver Titans beat them 3-1. Now, this match maybe wasn't as close as the one that we saw against the Hangzhou Spark, but we did see the Vancouver Titans playing some interesting compositions. And I had commented in, in our Discord at the time that I felt that it's like the Vancouver Titans are playing Stage 3 as a seven-match scrim. Am I wrong to think that? No, I definitely think you're right, and I've definitely come to the same conclusion. Uh, a lot of pros who have scrimmed the Titans in the past um, have talked about how if you're not, like, if their team isn't try-harding enough, the Titans will just go six DPS and just run at them because they don't want to, like, they don't want to play. Uh, so if, like, if the Titans need this next level of competition for their scrims, then, I mean, they're the best team in the league, uh, even even with this last weekend, and even the stage looking trickier than usual, they still have, like, the highest skill ceiling of any team, and I think it's totally fine for them to sort of take the stage off and get as practiced as they, as they can on summer, just if they need to change the meta heavily for stage four. Well, is it smart to take the stage off, though? Like, the fact that they're experimenting right now is on. And if they're going to experiment, why would they experiment with the same six? Like, we've talked about this in previous episodes. They've got Stitch on the bench, who's arguably, you know, one of the top hit scan players we think in the league. We just don't see an opportunity for him to flex in. We have someone like Hurek who can play a, a, a somber relatively well, and that's not a, necessarily a knock on someone so who we're seeing gradually improve week after week. But if they're going to play the six sort of strength goats players not in preparation to play goats but in preparation to play these real odd compositions it seems odd that that's the type of experimentation like to me you experiment with your roster if you're gonna actually play around you flex the roster in you get repelling you get heregging you get stitching yeah i think that's uh you hit the nail on the head there i think there's a conflict of approaches there Obviously, the Titans want to be more flexible. Maybe it's a looming uh, lock, roll lock that might be coming. Maybe they just want to prepare for other teams that might be throwing different stuff at them, because they usually do. If you go mirror comp goats against the Titans, things will end badly. But apparently, uh, I didn't really like what I saw in the pre in the like last matches. And I don't see how beneficial it is to actually run, uh, let's say, Samin Su on the Sombra above, let's say, we want to play Stitch and try that out. So I completely agree that they need to look at maybe a different approach. I mean, if you don't want to scrim around too too hard against your opponents off the maps, sure, I don't mind them practicing and trying stuff, 
But I just don't want them to lose uh, lose lose games. You can't win. You can lose like maps, but not not, not games in my mind, because that will give com- confidence to to the teams that will be up up against you uh, come playoffs time when things matter. So I'm actually going to disagree there, and I think it's important that this core six starting roster is able to flex this hard because one of the major issues uh, we see with the San Francisco Shock is that with their core starting six, they are completely unable to switch into a 3 TPS composition. They're not very good at switching to a somber composition either, because if we need Stitch to come in, we can't do that on the fly. And part of what makes the somber composition so good, and what makes Goats so... Uh, like the, the slight variation is so successful is that you only need to switch one person to drastically change your plan of attack. So, well, but on that note then, are you going to tell me that Janu is a better Zarya than Stitch could be? Because that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a trickle-down effect. We're seeing Solman yeah. Sol have to go Sombra. Janu then has to flex over into a Zarya. And, and that, that trickle-down effect, unfortunately, unravels the Vancouver Titans. Like, I feel, based on the, again, very limited amount of play that we've seen from Stitch, that Stitch can flex over to Zarya and still provide a well enough role. And in my mind, to be quite frankly, no different than what Janu's doing in that role. And you get to still keep Janu in a role where he can play a diva, where he can do some clutch things. Like, I, I just feel that right now the Vancouver Titans, and again... I'm not looking at the San Francisco Shock as a comparison. Maybe San Francisco doesn't have the bench. We know the Titans have players on the bench that for whatever reason are not wanting to put in. Soul Dynasty. Who was the starting six with the Soul Dynasty? <laughs> this last stage it was it was a very specific set, but this coming stage, like, no one can tell. It's such a lottery it's such a lottery pick with these guys, because you have no idea who's gonna come out. I mean the fixture is Jayhong. No one's gonna deny Jayhong from playing mm-hmm. time. But the other five, depending on who they're playing against, they have a very good system of like, okay, we know who we know who we're playing against, we know what map, so we're gonna put these particular five around Jayhong. But I just don't think the Vancouver Titans have that flexibility right now with their current roster of six plus um, repel, stitch, and hooray. To kind of have the same um, system with the uh, the same type of system that Seoul has um, in order to execute uh, what they have there. And with all due respect to what the uh, Seoul are doing, right? They have like a lineup for every yeah. type of map. Maybe that's kind of the approach. But we didn't see that prove to be that great for them. So No, and I, I just, I feel like, I, again, my point here is that the Vancouver Titans, if they need to flex, if it truly is yep. about the six they have, and that's their starting six, then what people are saying about the Vancouver Titans is true. This team is goats or nothing. I yeah. think they're more than that. And I feel that, again, experimentation needs to include the roster. Like, why why bring Repel in from map fours? Why bring Hurig in from map fours? I actually kind of wonder, and we sort of talked a little bit about this in, in previous episodes, is there a reason why we're not seeing a Stitch come in? We don't know. It could be that, you know, maybe there is more to the story, maybe there isn't. We don't know, and we're not trying to imply that there is. It's just very odd. Now, before we, we, we fully tilt here, let's talk a little bit about the Chengdu Hunters. So the Vancouver Titans did get a 3-1 over the Chengdu Hunters. Hollywood North 
was not Hollywood North. And whatever it is about Chengdu and Hollywood, they have the Vancouver Titans number. Uh, shameless, we actually have a Hollywood North shirt available in a merch store, which you'll be able to learn more about in this episode. What was equally weird, Havana North is actually a thing. Like, the Vancouver Titans apparently can defend the heck out of Havana. Sure, their attacks may be a little bit suspect, and we have a very small sample size, but boy, can they defend without a bunker comp. So, I mean, looking specifically at the Hunters-Titans match, was at any point a level of concern where you're sitting on the edge of your seat, or was it a matter of, oh, okay, so they lost Nepal, but you know what? Things are going to turn around. Now, there are two factors in here. I think Chengdu are not uh, are as mechanically good as uh, the Titans are, at least in terms of synergy and comms, and I think they're just as confused, well, even more so than we are, as to what meta should they play, what, what the compositions they should play. There's just not type of that same uh, level of cohesion in the team, I think, at this point, at this stage, when they're trying to uh, kind of uh, put in Jichiren in, into their lineup. So, uh, yeah, yeah, taking out Ong in, in a map where they need to win. Right. And I don't know right now if um, Chengdu has any good success with the, the current meta right, or the Sombra meta, because like, they're not known as the Sombra team, right? They're known as the... <laughs> The Farah, the Widow, and then the Wrecking Ball, right? They have a three, they have a kind of a three-one-two meta. It's an interesting meta. It's an interesting take on a meta that um, they don't usually well conform to, right? During the Ghost meta, they were infamous for not running the Ghost meta. They ran something different, right? Until Amon came in with his Reinhardt, but different story. The same can be applied here. It's the meta. The meta is shifting, and it may be because of the 2-2-2 lock role, um, and people are, and all the teams are trying to transition into it. But Chengdu seems to be the one team that seems to be the outlier, and I think that was the reason why, like during this meta shift, that we had some success. Now it was a shaky success, nevertheless, but mm-hmm. some success against them, and we had that three-one victory against them on uh, on Thursday or Friday. Yeah. The, the thing about the Chengdu Hunters match, and I, I will admit, there was a couple times that I sort of was yelling at my screen, even beyond the, the Nepal. Like, I mean, we were looking at Volskaya, it didn't really feel that it was going to fall out of the Titans' hands. But like Hollywood, where, where Vancouver is sort of easily getting off their, their, their what makes them strong. And we're going to talk a little bit about their strengths when we get into the L.I. Valiant match in a quick moment. We already sort of got into that a little bit. But... Havana was the question mark. In, in the last episode, that was the one where I'm like, I don't know. I actually sort of predicted the Chengdu map as being, or match being a tough one. Nepal, I said, was going to be a struggle on the potential of Havana. I was proven wrong. That was, unfortunately, well, uh, Nepal they lost, but Havana they're completely strong on. Chengdu. Um, is, are they the answer to how you beat the Vancouver Titans? Or is it that Chengdu just doesn't have an answer and no one knows how to deal with with the hunters effectively. No, I, I don't know. If, I don't think Chengdu is the answer on how to bid the Titans. I think the Titans are are yeah. how how you bid the ti- beat the Titans yeah. definitely. Um, they they have shown to be more resilient against the Titans than other like teams at their same record. Yeah, I guess they step up to the occasion, but I don't think Chengdu will be ever like that much of a trouble for us really. Okay. Well, moving on to the Valiant. So. Can we, we not? We, pre- we predicted <laughs> the Valiant to go down to the Vancouver Titans quite easily. The only uh, the only host is the Missing in Action Sam. Sam's not here at the watch party. It's just myself, Omni, we got Michael, and Raleigh here. But Sam had said he had a feeling that this was going to be 3-2 Titans. He was wrong. It was 3-1 Valiant. 
Now, we look at what the Vancouver Titans rolled out. Um, Oasis against the Valiant. That's that's the one map that the Titans won. Oasis. The Vancouver Titans roll out SMS on a hit scan. He comes out as soldier. He actually did relatively well. Um, you see a weird comp come out. And the Vancouver Titans did okay on... on it was kind of like a soldier goats, really. Yeah, like it was, it was a real weird comp. But again... Back to my earlier point. Who's the best hit scan player the Vancouver Titans have? Stitch. It's, it's probably Stitch. But what's interesting to note is that in Stage 1, the Titans actually played the same composition yep. with Stitch in when the opening map was Oasis. Right. And that's, so that's to my point. This would be the perfect opportunity to bring Stitch in. If you're gonna bring, if you're gonna play that type of composition, that's the map you bring for the the match you bring Stitch. Now, maybe Rollick, to your point, they're experimenting to see. Here's our starting six. This is the crew we're gonna roll with. We're gonna go to, we're gonna live or we're gonna die by the six that we choose. I think that that's a mistake. Then okay, fine. SMS going on to a, a, a soldier. What else are you, are you gonna do? He's obviously the player that they seem to be determined to make the the flex from tank uh, to, to DPS to whatever. I still don't agree with it. Even though they got they won that map, I, I was worried watching that happen. So I think you're dead on on your analysis, but not for this meta, because GOATS and 3-3 three, three variations is such a meta of nuance where you, you really need to be able to switch on the fly and you can only bring other players in between maps. Correct, but if, if they're going to switch on the fly, the Titans aren't switching. Yeah, I think yeah, you're so you're you're dead right again. But I think they're just sort of trying to force this to get through the hiccups. So again, I come from the world of traditional sports. You don't go and practice in game. I mean, I think that's what they're doing. That's a big issue. They're trying to force things that they're not truly comfortable with and are not really beneficial to them winning maps. They might be in the long run, but, yeah. You know, and I, if, you're, if, if this is what they're committed to doing, you know, fine, own it. I, I just, to me, then, you're doing a disservice by having a rappel, a hurrig, and a stitch on a bench and never getting into Yeah, we don't match. know what's going there internally behind the scenes. Maybe yeah. stitch at this point from not playing so many games, maybe he's not feeling as comfortable or, or not on par. Who knows? Yeah, we really. don't know. It could be that he, he needs to warm up. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we look at Paris. Paris is arguably one of the toughest maps for the Vancouver Titans. Right? We saw the statistic, they're like, what, win rate's 29%? Uh, yeah, that's team fights. That's team fights. a team fight. Oh, team fight. Team fight winning still, percentage, we are 29%. Brutal. It's 30% less than any other map. That is a significant difference. That's how weak we are in Paris. They are, they are even. Up until today, they were even on Paris. Uh, I believe it was two wins, two losses, uh, and this is it, it is the Titans' worst. So and, uh, we look at the, how they they played Paris. They played again a weird, wacky comp, some DPS comp that they were playing. I don't know what to call yeah, it. It was just dive, right? Well, I mean, but even then, they were really diving. It was, yeah. it was it was weird. But the the problem is that once they finally capped the point, where did we suddenly see them find the most success? It was a snowball and by switching over the goats. Yeah. The problem was that they had a limited amount of the time, and unfortunately, when uh, Valiant you know, took over, the Valiant rolled them. Like I, I, again, if, if you're, if, you, if that's the map where you, you play to figure out, fine. But what did we then go and see on Icon World, where the Titans lose 3-2 to the Valiant? We saw the, the Valiant run Samba goats. Agreed? Yeah. 
the entire time. What did we see from the Vancouver Titans? A variety. The, Most of it was Sombra Goats again. The McCree Goats was odd, in my yeah. mind. I, I think at the beginning, yeah, at the beginning. It was because they expected and the to come out on Fahrenheit. Sure, okay, fair enough, but then... Which they had done, but it's so much easier for them to adapt coming from on attack than... But like I, I, I feel like I, I am a firm believer. You play to your strengths. You don't play to your opposition's strengths. Let them play to your beat. Right. Yeah. Where have the Titans had the most success? They've had the success when they dictate play. Yeah. When we saw them lose stage two to yeah. the stage two final of the San Francisco Shock, what was it that the Shock did really well? The Shock dic- ran at the Titans. Yeah. The, the, the Shock dictated the the state of play. They took it to the Titans. And I think that's how we're starting to see teams do. They're actually just saying, we're going to play at our strengths, we're going to play our style. And that's beyond the Titans. I mean, look at the Houston Outlaws playing the San Francisco Shock. Houston acknowledged, here's how we're going to win. This I, is what we're going to do. I think that's kind of like the issue we have with playing uh, Sombra Goats. Sombra Goats, it's naturally not an in-your-face type of approach for a fight. Mm-hmm. Usually the Titans are in your face. They would approach first, they will engage first, they will be super aggro. And that's kind of how we or a team like the Shock had won in the past. In Sombra Goats, you really try to play to the tune of your Sombra, right? If you have MP, then you engage. If you don't, you kind of fall back. You rely on other little intricacies in the battles. You try to poke, you try to get your pick. I think the Titans don't really feel natural when it's all that planned out in advance. In advance, like they, they usually rely on their mechanics and synergy to just roll teams, like you said before, and and suddenly they try this. People think, oh, it's just a one character switch, but no, like the, the, the composition is so much different just by switching out that Zarya with the that Diva. I'm sorry, uh, with the Sombra, the entire philosophy of the fights is completely changed, and I think think that they're not as uh, comfortable with that, and and they don't they don't. It doesn't necessarily play to their strengths. So, to add on to that, uh, two weeks ago I wrote a uh, Game of Thrones article about how the San Francisco Shock had a hard time playing against Sombra, and in it I wrote that a lot of the lower tier teams take what happens to the higher tier teams as gospel, and it seems like when the Houston Outlaws were able to take it to the shock by just getting in their face with Sombra, uh, a lot of the other mid-table teams realized, oh, hey, we don't have to force 3-3 because we're just not as good as the top, the big three, the shock, the Titans, and the Excelsior. And so you've seen uh, teams... Now now it's not just Shanghai and Seoul who are willing to play Sombra. Now everybody's going to play Sombra and sort of reinforce that uh, the, the, the mid-table teams are... They can beat the, the Titans this way. And that's what happened with the Valiant, right? Like, Val- the Valiant had a, an awful first two stages, and then you look at them now, and before coming into the Titans match, um, they played four games. They were on a three-game winning streak. After watching the Houston Outlaws, you know, breaking up the dominant three-team meta from the, you know, the hole that the Titans and Shock had, and they're essentially emulating. They're, you're right. They're taking what happened to the big two as gospel, and look at what happened to Valiant. They're on a very good road. They have a lot of momentum, and they started to implement the somber strategy. And it's a different strategy from what um, the Vancouver Titans are used to, and maybe can't um, counter yet. Like one moment that I saw that wasn't, um, you know, Titans like 
was Twilight on Eichenwald on on their assault on Point B. So the team was very close on capping it, mm. but then Twilight and this and Bumper um, deserves a little bit of a little bit, little bit a little bit of flack here as well. Yeah. Like, the team was coming and they were covering both entrances. Bumper got one side and the rest of the team got other the other side. The Bumper transitioned to the other side. But that his shield was down, leaving the Zenyana extremely vulnerable. Yeah. And this is a Zenyana that has Transcendence. And Transcendence is a game-changing all. And if that Zenyana gets EMP, he is a sitting duck. He's yeah. a 50 HP, easily pickable. You yeah, know, sneeze on him. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. And that's exactly what happened. They were playing extremely aggressive towards a comp that they should have been cautious against. And they were playing to the fiddle of another team, right? Not what playing to their own style. Well, so a friend of mine called this the mirror meta. It's not that it's goats, it's not that it's anything else, it's the mirror meta. You see six aside and they seem to pick the same same yeah. tune. Why is it that the Vancouver Titans need to mirror? They Why don't, they don't. That's what was so frustrating. If you think like, if they played their normal style, there's no chance in hell they lose this map. Well, if they, but if they lose, then we can actually tell you, no. ah, here's how that the Sombra made the difference. Just because it happened to one team doesn't mean that that just, it would happen to the Vancouver Titans. Like, I, I feel we've not seen the Titans play their strength against this this Sombra Goats, this yeah. Sombra meta. The other component, I mean, Omni, you pretty much like, you know, were flipping tables and pulling your hair out when we were watching Dorado, <laughs> when the Vancouver Titans, one, continued to play the, the Sombra yeah. and then came out with, again, was it, I guess Dia, you know, I don't know what to call it, yeah. and they came out and attacked. It was working, but they did not. They, they resisted the idea. Oh, we're going to go back to our strength until it was what a minute, maybe right. less than that left. There's a there's a, another adverse effect. It's like when you switch to that Sombra, It's not just the Sombra or Zarya that take a hit. You're, we saw like the best support line not doing anything at all. Uh, we saw Twilight playing not as well. We saw Slime getting a hit because the Vancouver there was like Slime was like 50% behind Exactly. Um, and, healing, like. and the problem is when they played their normal style, when they played their strengths, there's a character in Naruto. I'm going to take a little tangent here. There's a, there's a villain there. His name is Pain. And he had like six different bodies and everybody shared the same. They shared between each other their field of vision. So they could already always see, watch like their enemies with six, uh, six eyes. That's kind of how I felt the Titans played. And when they play that Sombra Ghost composition, it's like you only focus on what the Sombra sees and when she engages. And they lost that. And every other player on the Titans played way, way worse, even if they didn't need to switch from their main hero. So, yeah, I was literally, like, screaming at the screen, no, please, please play back Azaria. Have you ever seen Titans without Azaria, without Salmon on Azaria? Not just when John was playing Azaria. There was a point in time where we didn't have Azaria at all. That's oh, your yeah. main damage dealer. I mean, I have to agree with Om Omni here. Like, Sombra isn't your, you know, your main damage dealer, especially in the current meta. Like, you need Azaria as your sustained damage dealer. I mean, that's how the GOAT meta was developed. Right, but I don't know. Like it just felt the Titans felt off, and whether it's you know they need more time adapting to this meta, or they need more time you know countering this meta with their own style. Like it, they just didn't seem like themselves. I mean, like this is a team. Now, to be fair, you got to give um, the player of the match Kareev a lot of credits. He was yeah. instrumental on dismantling yesterday with those sleep stars on Anna. And 
you know, not to discredit Twilight, Twilight's a very good honor as well. He's known as like, you know, that one guy who always plays honor in a ghost meta when he's supposed to be playing Zenyatta. It's just weird to see that we didn't see the same type of performance that we saw the Kareeb. We saw out of Kareeb from Twilight because, well, this guy's supposed to be a very experienced honor player. So the difference was just, it's just too much for Vancouver to overcome and eventually led to our loss today. Probably. Uh, yeah, so in stage one, uh, the Titans had a lot of issues with having two matches on the same weekend. Uh, we saw in stage one both times the Titans played a two-match weekend. They were taken to map five, and it was against the Charge and the Hunters. Mm. Uh, and those are not great teams. Um, and then in stage two, they, they, they didn't have to. They just rolled over people. Uh, I think they only lost two maps in stage two up until the playoffs. And now in stage three, they look almost human again. Um, and so I think, basically, like I think there might be maybe not a coaching issue, yeah. but sort of a lifestyle coaching issue, where a lot of the players may not have been able to. Um, they might they might be sort of getting over the like mm. the the highs of being in Overwatch League because yeah. I like you see uh, Hoxel and Janu they stream until like two in the morning every night uh, <clears throat> and like I if I were running the team I, I'm not a, I'm not a coach but if I were I'd want my players in bed by you know <laughs> midnight maybe one and not streaming in front of a thousand people and just like be able to get up in the morning and go outside instead of sleeping until your match starts and then staying up till two or three again, going on ladder, tilting, and then going to bed at three. Yeah, I'm gonna make another supposition, just connecting to that point. And we're super knee jerky in here because we're we're now nineteen and one. It's like it's so uh, such a weird territory Sky for us. Falling. So exactly. So I think like we might have been just approaching the league in a very like like a daisical manner. Like Bumper was saying a bunch of times during his interviews, "Oh, this league is easy. Where it's not everything is so so easy for us." And maybe and, and the fact that we heard how he hates uh, scrimming and they like make these weird wacky compositions during scrims and everybody was like assumed okay Vancouver doesn't really need to try hard or to practice new things or to to scrim seriously to win maybe it came back to to bite them in the behinds just you know that lack of uh, training or preparation before matches I don't know just 19 and 1 <laughs> well I mean just on, before we move into what's going to happen next week uh, the standings for this stage the Vancouver Titans arguably could be tied with the LA Valiant for stage three. <laughs> like, I mean, granted, the Titans have one more win right now, but the LA Valiant are four and one on the stage. If the Valiant were to get another win or two, space was the problem. I mean, it's, I mean, this stage is kind of weird right now. You got the yeah. New York Excelsior four and zero, Titans five and one, Shock four and one, Spark four and one, Valiant four and one, Dragons three and one. Dynasty three and two, and the Glads three and two. Uh, the Houston Outlaws played themselves out of the stage three playoffs today, but potentially have an opportunity to still make their way back in. I, I wonder if stage three is the change, or if this is now just a, an aberration with our other teams just having a good time. Now let's talk a little bit about next week. The Vancouver Titans wrap up the stage playing the Los Angeles Gladiators. The four maps are as follows. They're going to be on Ilios, off to the Moon or Horizon Lunar Colony, then on to Numbani North before winding up on Watchpoint, Gibraltar. Is this a... Okay, two questions. Prior to what we saw today, was this a 4-0? Or was this a 3-1? Uh, 
I think this was always going to be a 3-1. Uh, when you look at the, the maps the Titans are good on, and I'll go into depth in this this week, um, the Titans are so good on Ilios. I think they're uh, they're X1. They've only lost one time. Yeah, I think they only lost the one. Shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the... Uh, what was the third map again? So we've got Ilios, Horizon Lunar Colony, Numbani North, and Watchpoint Fall. So the Titans haven't lost on Numbani since 2017. And they, they, we just saw the Titans speed run the gladiators off the yeah. off the face of the earth on Watchpoint. Like 47 and 2 or something in terms of elimination? Yeah, and one the they had there were three Titans died and Janu was a, he killed himself by accident. And we we like we got the, the world record on that map and we held the uh, the gladiators to one map. to first point, mm -hmm. two limbs. Mm -hmm. So when you say it was always gonna be like a four oh three one that's even after what we saw against the Valiant. Yeah, because the Gladiators aren't good at playing Sombra. We saw it in the... Well, neither are the Vancouver Titans, it seems. <laughs> oh, but, but the Titans don't have to play against Sombra, is the, okay. is the point. They they weren't able to... The, the Gladiators, going into the Stage 2 playoffs, the, the, sort of the, the secret was out. We know how to beat New York going into that playoffs because of what happened in stage one. They just got obliterated by Sombra and the Gladiators went into it and they didn't even try because uh, Decay has just been so underwhelming on Sombra that it, I, I'm going to say that it feels like it doesn't matter if the Titans run out Sombra or if they run out 3-3. They should have a very good chance of this because the Gladiators have been so underwhelming that I'm not con like I'm not concerned. Bye, go. I'm... I wanted to say 3-1 as well. I think it's going to be a 3-1, but this is a this is a matchup that Titan need to take a clean sweep, 4-0. Not only for stage playoff standings, but um, just everything in general, right? Like this is this is a team that you stomp. Like there were some hiccups before the, during the first half, but second half, you this is the team that they dominated against the Gladiators. Like the Gladiators are supposed to be a good, you know, gatekeeper team to the mid-tier. And you know, I think that's what everybody thought. The Vancouver Titans were to everyone else, like just stomping everybody until what we saw today. So even after today, I'm mean, solidified three one, but my heart says you gotta go for that four zero, so that you have the momentum going into the playoffs, and you have that time to prep for um, whatever mid tier team's gonna bring in terms of their sombra. Because there's counter sombra play, whether it's with sombra or without sombra, needs some work, and they and they need something badly because the meta is now shifting towards the sombra meta. And it's not waiting for the Titans. And I think the Gladiators are definitely going to study that game that we saw pretty, pretty hard and, and, and try to see what, what went wrong, so wrong for the Titans. In a vacuum, obviously, I think we have no issues of, uh, of defeating the Gladiators, but, but I thought the same about the Valiant. If, if the Titans don't bounce back from this loss, we have an issue in here. But I, I can definitely see that like they'll bounce back, that the coaches will have a lot of... Uh, Harsh words today for the team, I think. Um, yeah, that that is definitely a game that we need to take uh, dominantly. And I, I think, Michael, you bring up a really good point, as you did, Omni. This needs to be the statement match. They need to come back and exert some authority. If the Denver Titans continue to go and mess around, whether it's experimentation or whatever, all they are proceeding to do is, if they were to struggle, is to give other teams confidence. Confidence is a heck of a drug. I don't care if you're the Washington Justice. If the Washington Justice have confidence 
and think they can win, then anything is possible. They can be a very dangerous team. Yeah. Exactly, especially when you have nothing to do, lose. I mean, look at the LA Valiant, and they were they were coming into this match talking a real good game. Hey, man, we got nothing to lose. We're not scared of these Vancouver Titans. And then what did they start to see? They started to see success, and that itself snowballed. When we talk about tilting, I don't know if the Vancouver Titans tilted today, but I sure did, and I don't tilt. So... There is one thing to be taken with a huge grain of salt, and that is the Valiant's current map record uh, and just win record over the course of the season because they played all of the hard opponents in the first stage and a half. Their, if you recall their first stage, they played Gladiators, they played Shock, they played Titans, I think they played New York, and... And they played them close too. Yeah, they were. They were. These. This is a team who's been playing good teams close all year. They just haven't been able to see success. And this is a team who's on a roll uh, over the last couple games. I think there's three, three wins in a row, maybe four wins in a row. Now, um, yeah, four. Yeah, four wins in a row now. But we've also seen after the stage one finals, the Titans came back like angrier than they ever have, yeah. well rested. They just destroyed opponents in the first two weeks. And to be able to play the Gladiators, like they, I, I can tell they're not going to be happy uh, after this game. And to just be able to walk in to play the Gladiators, take a week off because of the Atlanta homestand, which they're, they're not taking a lot of, and then be able to step into the playoffs is, mm-hmm. I think, going to be huge for this team. It's going to be very key how they recover because like, I, there's almost no way they're going to miss the stage playoffs. But that match against Gladiators, and I didn't notice it, but they don't play in that Atlanta showdown, right? So they mm. have that one week off. The Titans coaching staff and the players need to know how to adapt to the current meta. This is where you grow and improve. Exactly. So, LA Gladiators, Rowlett, what's the score? Uh, I'm going to say 3-1. I checked it. Uh, I checked how the uh, Gladiators had done on Horizon, and they have a respectable 2-1. And, one. and I, I, th- I think the Gladiators, even though they've had mixed results in the first and this stage, I think they're still a top six team. They just have skilled players. Michael? I want a 4-0. I want a 4-0 very badly. But I'm going to, I think I'm going to predict this 3-1. Omni? I didn't check anything. I'm pissed as heck. I'm going to say 4-0. Ditto 4-0, and I don't really give a rats. <laughs> I'm not going to say the word because I don't want to beat myself again. Oh, I, I, I think the Vancouver Titans need to exert their authority, and I'm showing you how fired I am up am about this by you know dropping off some words that I may or may not have to beat myself with. But we are going to take a short break before we transition into the fray, but thank you to Omni, Michael, as well as Rowlett for joining us here after the official Titans watch party at the Sports Bar Live at Rogers Arena. Okay, uh, you didn't get to hear that, Sam. You you have absolutely no idea the the pain that we just went through with the payload. But I thought it would be important for us to give wise man Sam, who 
Titans, what I'm pretty much calling you now, a chance to talk about the Titans loss to the LA Valiant because it was you. It was you who said that that match was the one that caused you the most concern. Wise Did man. Is, is the wise man Sam is like the official title now? Wise man Sam sounds like it's like a sketchy like midi midwestern. I, beer. I can I can sing another intro for that like wise man Sam. All right, <laughs> go ahead. I'm just I'm just too I'm, I'm just too emotionally there. Too but, emotionally shook. But from does the everybody top. have all their fingers and all their toes and, and everybody's Achilles are good? Like oh. we're we're all good there. Yeah, we're we're all good. We all survived the weekend. There's a couple like, of busted lips and a black eye or two, but. You know, everyone like, made it out alive. Like I, th- I think I hated to be right, but I also love being right, so I'm secretly gloating. But, but there's been a there's been a couple of things, right? Like, I I find that, you know, it's actually good that we're we're at the point where we're at now, where there's some adversity, because I think up till now and up to the stage, I've been hinting towards it that honestly, it's getting a little bit boring. And I don't just mean the Titans' dominance, but just overall the league becoming so predictable. Mm-hmm. So. If nothing else, I think I think Nate Nancer, if he still cares, is clapping away this weekend with with the upsets of of the Titans and oh no the the outlaw, yeah <laughs> we're calling that an upset too. Um, but it makes things more interesting. I think this is a very very important week for the Titans because now we're gonna now everybody knows um, you know there may be a weakness here. Is it is it the somber goats? Is it bumpers aggression? Like what what are those things? And this week is a very important week because they're either going to bounce back or people are going to keep pressing where it hurts. Either way, I think it's better that we deal with this now, unlike what NIXL did last season, where where they kind of went through most of the season unscathed for the most part, other than, you know, one or two botched moments where, where they, they lost lost a map or two. Um, and then it was a shock to everyone when, no pun intended, um, when when they fell in the finals. I think it's better that we deal with this now. And I mean, we're going to talk about what what the mess stage four is going to be in just a second. But but I I tend to look at the positive. And the term that I have for for everybody listening is is an embarrassment of riches. We we consider ourselves pretty even keeled, I guess, other than the last segment that we just went through um, on this podcast, but. But we've really been blessed in in that we've never experienced adversity. Like this is, the, I've been harping from the beginning. This is not normal to cheer for a sports team and they never lose. Like we got, even even when we looked like we were out, somebody would come away with a miracle play. And guess what? Against the Valiant, the miracle plays weren't there. It was just what happens to everybody else when they get hit in the gut, they fall. Um, so I'm okay with it. I'm not like entirely happy but i think this is a a very good week um for them to improve and judging from their history as as runaway like i still have a lot of confidence that that they'll bounce back i completely agree with what you said there i just wanted to know that we definitely missed that pma during the payload at the sports bar so these are uh, really uh, good good words it's like i heard it but (laughs) but listeners trust me when i say that i have just listen to the same segment as you. I had no idea what they just said. <laughs> well, uh, the Vancouver Titans uh, did throw a wrench into works. And Sam, you were talking about how this isn't reality. Um, reality sure bites. Let me tell you, I, I like the dream world we lived in. But let's talk a little bit about other dream worlds. And that is the week that was. 
So I, we got to start off by the match uh, that Sam picked where he had the San Francisco Sock Bust on Uprising as a match to watch. Um, Wasn't great. No, 4-0 Shock. Boston didn't have a chance. The Eternal lost 3-1 to the Houston Outlaws. The Hangzhou Spark beat the Dallas Fuel 3-0, and the uh, LA Valiant were over the Shanghai Dragons 3-1. I, I, I'll be honest, there wasn't really anything about that uh, that day that really inspired me to talk about. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. I didn't watch a whole lot. It just wasn't all that entertaining. You should have been scouting the Valiant. Yeah, well, <laughs> no kidding. I, I screwed up there. Speaking of scouting, we go to Friday, where we actually had a decent match between the NYXL and London Spitfire. It went to the fifth and deciding match where NYXL won 3-2. San Francisco beat the hell out of Blora 4-0. Shanghai Dragons beat the Gallic Gladiators 3-1. And your Vancouver Titans beat the Chengdu Hunters 3-1 in a match that, quite frankly, was still definitely falling towards Vancouver, but one where we were seeing craziness, as we discussed, which, again, kind of odd. Saturday. So Saturday is is kind of funky, too. You have the London Spitfire uh, beating the Washington Justice 2-1, but Washington doing what Washington does. It gets that one draw. <laughs> the tie streak continues. Like, how is that streak. even possible? Like, they can, they can always draw that one map. Uh, you got the Philadelphia Fusion squeaking past the Atlanta Reign 3-2. Guangzhou Charge took to- uh, Sam's favorite team, the Toronto Defiant, to the... Uh, back alley and beat the living daylights out of them <laughs> and then in another really good match the Hangzhou spark uh, got past soul dynasty 3-2 and that was actually the one the two of you had uh, said everyone should watch so i hope everyone did listen to you or they were watching the defiant game see that's what i'm saying you can be positive we're not the defiant yeah Hangzhou, so, i think uh the only match they lost so far in this stage was to us i think i, I think yep. so yeah they've been pretty strong and then uh, on Sunday, you had the Chengdu Hunters 4-0, the Dallas Fuel. You had the Boston Uprising, quote-unquote, upset the Paris Eternal 3-2. You had the Florida Mayhem upset the Houston Outlaws 3-1. Oh. And then you had the Los Angeles Valiant upset the Vancouver Titans 3-1. There's this, like, uh, meme shared of like Paris, Vancouver, and Houston all, you know, holding hands because they all got upset. Yeah. I Can you really call it as an upset? Like, it's not even on the same tier of upset like what, what we had with the Valiant. Now, Valiant played well this stage, but definitely that's the biggest one we've had. I don't know. Biggest yeah. upset you think is the Valiant over the Titans? It wouldn't have been like the Outlaws over the Shock? Uh, I don't think I think uh, Sam's starting to like really affect you with that hope for uh, <laughs> outlaws. They are playing better, but uh, they're still the outlaws. It's, it's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, it's a stretch. Maybe this was the anomaly, right? The- but then again, it's Florida, so I don't know really. <laughs> All I know is that the LA Valiant played well, but I don't think they played like god tier i think vancouver right. played more like you know pleb tier they like, did have like outside of kareev who was just yo, was, yeah he was unreal he was like yeah. pretty sure hoxell still hasn't woken up like that one tweet, <laughs> uh, sorry let's talk about it for a quick moment hoxell on farah got slept just at the peak of a house and slowly falls down the roof. Meanwhile, the entire Outlaws team is just waiting for him to land on the ground. 
There's that, that one brief moment of pause where they maybe le- read Hoxall his last rites and then charge <laughs> the wall to an institute. Like, it, You'd think um, falling off a building on the floor would wake you up, but <laughs> nope. There was even one point when he slept. He tried to sleep uh, Hacksaw and Slime had to get in on a, as, a, as a mercy and he slept the mercy. Yeah. I'm just saying, Hacksaw, I've never gotten slept as far on comp. Oh, oh <laughs> well, it's hard to aim in console. So uh, <laughs> it's very oh, true. Oh, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about the week that will be. So we are now transitioning into the later part of a stage. We're seeing fewer matches during the week. So we only have three matches Thursday and Friday with the standard for Saturday, Sunday. So on Thursday, the match that all three of us say everyone needs to watch is the Hangzhou Spark versus the Los Angeles Valiant. We have the Paris Eternal versus the Seoul Dynasty and the San Francisco Shock versus the Chengdu Hunters. Now, the LA Valiant Hangzhou Spark match, I think Hangzhou takes it. But imagine if LA does, because if LA does, theoretically, LA is now putting pressure onto the Vancouver Titans. Mm, will make me feel better, definitely. But <laughs> the, both are going to be like playoff teams, I think. Uh, so that'll be an interesting match. Well, like playoff teams for the stage or playoff teams? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, I mean, you look, actually, we talked about this during the payload, but you look at the standings right now. The Vancouver Titans are 5 and 1. You then have the Shock, Spark, and Valiant all at 4 1. Mm-hmm. If, let's say, out the Valiant pull out a win, let's say they win 3 1, they're equivalent to the Vancouver Titans on record and map differential, but head to head. That's how crazy this is. I mean, the Vancouver Titans losing to the Valiant just threw a wrench into everything. I think I think to to stop Armageddon for a second, it's it's fine. I th- I think now that yeah, the, the undefeated, oh, it's undefe- not, it's not the undefeated oh, streak is you. over. We lost at stage finals. Now we can kind of focus on on the real task at hand, and that's doing whatever it takes to get the championship at the end of the year. I don't care about any of these matches, to be honest with you. If they want to throw some more matches, they want to scrim in in match. All that's cool. Uh, I just want that championship because uh, I've already lost a couple. I've been on the wrong side of pretty much every. Well, I guess I didn't care about Boston versus St. Louis at all. So whatever. And but, for those who don't know, Boston St. Louis is the NHL Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's that's hockey. the The game the Canadians play. Um, <laughs> um. So so it it doesn't matter. I'm I'm actually even happy for Valiant fans because I mean we we all crapped on them in the first stage. Uh, they they kind of self combusted. They they were kind of the mayhem of stage one, right? If if we kind of remember, if 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 any of you guys are listening and haven't heard our old episodes, like you can go back and yeah. and we kind of tried to be as PC as we could, but. Yeah, but it, it it was it was pretty fun to crap on them for a bit. So you know, good for them. It's 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 also kind of like they have this home team vibe because the games are in LA. So mm-hmm. so if they do if they do well in the stage, you know, it's cool. Yeah. On Friday, you've got the Spitfire taking on the Valiant, the Toronto Defiant versus the LA Gladiators, the Houston Outlaws versus the Washington Justice. I say watch the Valiant Spitfire match. Omni says watch the Outlaws Justice match. Sam says don't really care. Why don't y'all go to the beach? That's true. It's true. Like I, I don't think you want to sit through the the defiant. Sorry, any defiant matches at all right now. Now, now I'm kind of busting on defiance chops. The Justice Outlaws. I mean, I can see why Omni picked this because there, you know, there might be another quote unquote upset. But I think I think I already picked the Valiant once for the weekend. I don't really want to do it again. So you know, it's gonna be sunny. Just go enjoy yourself. It's a long weekend if you're living in Canada. Um, get some rays. Forecast for Friday. I don't know. 
rain <laughs> rain coming up yeah uh, uh, go to the beach and you know get 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 a soak up that shower <laughs> yeah but it's good for the forest so yeah yeah global warming man <laughs> on saturday the dallas fuel take on the nyxl the boston uprising take on the philadelphia fusion the florida man take on the hangzhou spark and the shanghai dragons take on the guangzhou charge that matches the one all three of us picked to watch um i'll be honest i just sort of looked at the others and i'm like eh, eh, eh. okay this one not bad I'm picking every Dragons game. I think they're so fun. I'm I'm fully on the the Dragons bandwagon now that the Outlaws actually people pay attention to them. I'm I'm switching allegiances. I always got to get the upcoming. What about your Soul yeah. Dynasty? Ah, they're cool. Okay, just checking. I'm watching for Chengdu and Soul. <laughs> and then on Sunday, as uh, Omni has already uh, outlined, uh, the last match of the day is Chengdu Soul, but the first match will be the LA Gladiators Vancouver Titans. It's like the match of the week, uh, which definitely has more match of the week implications now because people are going like, oh my goodness, and the Vancouver Titans, like, you know, are they going to start continue losing? Are they done? Is the meta changing? Can't wait to see more Somber Goats. Somber Goats, get ready for it. Get used to. What are the other cool names for Somber Goats? I heard like a really ridiculous one on, on, on air, but I can't remember now off the top of my head. Somber 2-3? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's something weird like that. Because they, they continue to say 3-3 three, three because they don't yeah. have the goats because for the casual fan, then it requires an explanation. Yeah, something hmm. like that. Well, you're LA you, you could uh, call it cabras, like co- goats in Spanish. <laughs> I think that's what I heard, and I was just totally thrown off. Oh. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. You got the London Spitfire taking on the San Francisco Shock, the Houston Outlaws, and the Toronto Defiant, the Chingu Hunters, Sail Dynasty, as we already said. Uh, Alex, or sorry, Omni and I uh, both say uh, Chengdu and Seoul, but uh, Sam out there, he's just wanting to go and watch the Shock take the Spitfire to the alley. You don't have to be sorry. That's my name. Well, no, I know. Oh, <laughs> where it's like, you know, you're the omni persona. That's true. When we first started recording episodes, like, hey, do you know, what do you want me to call you? And you're like, omni's fine. I'm like, okay. I, I think we're, we're friends now. You know. Oh, we weren't. We made so many mistakes dropping his real name. We could have gone for like years without like exposing his name. Like, like one of one of one of the podcasts that Omni and I listened to to uh, was called the Starters, and everybody calls this dude J E. And and his real name's Phil, and nobody's known that since like <laughs> like three years. Friends, how did That's they get J E? Like, uh, his his name's actually not all that PG appropriate, but nobody seems to mind anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, we can't say that on this type of podcast. Yeah. Well, as we move into other news, there's been a few moves around the league over the course of the past week. So the first thing we'll start off with is a couple uh, coach announcements. So the Valiant have signed Reprise, who's previously of Revival. He was a coach and owner of this NA Contenders team. He is no longer a coach there. He is just listed as the owner. I find that kind of funny that you own. I mean, you've been. I, I mean, you own a team or a franchise, but now you're going to go and coach a pro team i get that you know you're sort of moving up it's just weird in my mind you think we'll see uh francesco aquilini uh coach a team in the upcoming months hey if 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 francesco you know wants to, to uh, you know prove his job feel free man start an <laughs> open work your way out um he is going to be joining the valiant as an assistant coach the la gladiators added fostos from the angry titans as an assistant coach as well 
Um, and then you have the mayhem. Now, the Florida Mayhem have essentially added an entire team to their roster and decided to have an entirely new coaching staff. So we, we talked a little bit about the, the rain acquisition um, last episode, and then a bunch of other news came out the day we published. But the Mayhem have added, is it Karian, his main tank, Gargoyle, off tank, uh, DPI, who's DPS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's going to be a mouthful. And then you have uh, Unred is the new head coach. KH1 is an assistant coach and Ryu is an analyst. Ooh, uh, I hope that's in reference to Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I think we should rename this section as its own section for like for the mayhem. Like we seem to talk about the mayhem an awful lot. Well, uh, it's because this, okay, the whole transition, we're not going to have an all Korean roster. To, uh, we're going to have a Korean roster. And they've like completely redone everything like it seems odd that they're deciding midway through the season ah, let's pull the trigger and do stuff i get that there's never a good time but there's no way in in heck Mm -hmm. ma'am are going to turn this bad boy around yeah they need changes so why wait maybe that's their uh mindset yeah maybe they just got tupac on repeat And then the news that sort of came out today, and I mean, I, I loosely use the term news because it's not something that's actually new, but Leaks. is a much more credible report that the 222 lock is coming to stage four. So Yeska from uh, uh, Upcomer, if you uh, go to Upcomer.com, you can uh, read the post, uh, shared that the 22 roll lock will be coming part of stage four and that it, within this report, the league notified the teams of this change in early June. Aha, uh-huh, my, my tinfoil hat was justified. If you're you know, <laughs> doing the math is essentially the start of stage three and also kind of lines up to some of the craziness we've seen from the Vancouver Titans. Yeah. Now, the re- refresher here, the 2-2 lock would restrict your, your teams to playing only two damage, two tanks, two supports. You can't go in crazy comp to hold a point or or to potentially, you know, switch to a, a tunic can move faster just to continue to compete or contest you can but you have to stay within sort of the pillar that you're in until one of your other teammates were to swap too and in fact i'm curious how they'll how they would enforce that like it would totally slow down if let's say someone so needs to switch off of sombra into a zarya meanwhile you have bumper as uh you know a rhine or a winston and uh, Maybe you'll just get a lot less mid-game switches. Well, the real well, that. Sure. I mean, I, I, I'm not a fan of the two-two-two. Right? Like we we talked a little bit about it. To me, the two-two-two is a solution being applied to a problem because there's no other credible idea of how to make the switch. But mm. what I guess irritates me. It's just that the switch is happening at season. I come from that traditional sports world where you don't drastically alter the field of play um, by introducing rules such as this. But I get any source is different. There's new patches, you know, pretty much every stage. There's new maps, new heroes. So I, I get in this world. It's just sure. And and I think I think it's it's tough for us to kind of get super critical with this because it comes off so biased knowing that the the Titans are a very, very strong GOATS hmm. team. Right. But, but it, to me, it's kind of like, okay, you're literally moving the net to, to help someone who kicks right or shoots right 
because because now now the the goal is on the left side or it's it's almost like that right like so it's going to help some people in fact it's going to help and it's not going to help teams but it's going to help certain players right mm-hmm. so so players that that were previously irrelevant are now suddenly relevant players that have been dominating maybe up till now are suddenly irrelevant it just and it's just it's so late for that like I wouldn't have liked it if they did it mid-season. I hate it now. Well, actually, just to use sort of the Titans as an example, and you're right, there is some bias here in that we're seeing goats, the meta that the Titans are very strong at, going away. But the Vancouver Titans currently have a roster of players that they've carried for quite some time, and this adjustment now requires them to have a much different roster, potentially, to accommodate the change. It's not like you can run out there and find players just out of the blue that could compete at the top level that you would want so that you can remain competitive. Now that's not a knock against a, a player like stitch who I think has a strong, you know, hit scan (laughs) caliber. And we've seen that he's able to flex into a, an off tank role if need be. We know that Hureg's got some potential on the bench and repel, you know, arguably is a a solid flex there as well, but you have the Titans built based on that meta. And that in my mind is, is what makes it rough because how do you, how do you adapt? And maybe that's just the way the league is. Maybe the Vancouver Titans or any other team, San Francisco, whoever it might be needs to now sort of Florida themselves a bit. I'm not trying to suggest the Vancouver Titans go and, you know, get rid of the team. I think there is the capability to be competitive in two, two, two. It's just, how do you, how do you deal with that change? Uh, I, the thing is, everybody needs to adapt all the teams at the same time. So there's like a, I guess a league-wide, a league-wide agreement that that's the situation and that's where we're going. And then teams need to scramble. And it feels like some of them already are. Like to me as a Titans fan, obviously you're going to take a hit, but I'm really happy with the 2-2-2. Um, everybody talking about the solution to the GOAT solution. I don't see triple dps or quad dps or like what the florida played five dps as a great solution i don't find it entertaining it's honestly a mess and you cannot really uh watch the game like this i I think uh the observers were scrambling when when we see uh like four v four four dps on each team i'm kind of like a two 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 purist i like that composition it makes tons of sense that the teams were already notified you, it was surprising how they suddenly reintegrating DPS, DPS players in, back into the lineups. You saw um, Sabiobi, you saw Shurfer getting playtime, and everybody was so happy. Like, oh, people are flexing off of goats. You see, you don't need a two-two-two lock. Well, <laughs> surprise! It was actually in anticipation to that change kind of being forced on them. So, what we're gonna see? Well, we're gonna see still. We're gonna see a lot of Sombra. We're gonna see a lot of Farah. Hanzo, and I like this because your your healers will have to change, your tanks will have to adapt and change. You, you might see more Winston maybe uh, over the Rhine. Uh, that's that'll probably be like beneficial to the teams that come up to play against the Titans. Uh, Widow will definitely return. New McCree, we don't know how that will uh, play out in the league. Soldier, obviously a great pick. Again, not great for Vancouver the current lineup. How do we integrate Stitch? Uh, is Zarya going to be as prevalent as she was before? Because she was, remember, the the, the premier DPS uh, dealer, right? The damage per second dealer. But right now, do we really need her? Uh, yeah, well, Haxal, he, will he get to play Genji? Genji's not great, even with the 2-2-2. I'm not seeing how Dive will be legitimate if you just can just sw- still switch to the 
Brigida. But I'm excited as a fan of the league. If I detach myself from the Titans and uh, having to watch like 16 games or at least the majority of them that might be interesting, I welcome this with open arms because, yeah, goats. Whew, that that kind of I don't know abrased me a little bit to the game. Isn't the real end of ghost just taking Brig and throwing it in the recycling bin? Doesn't that solve? I, I don't think so. We saw goats being played without Brig plenty of times. With so, the Baptiste? With the Baptiste, with the Anna was inserted mm-hmm. a lot. There's there's a lot. I think that just the nature of the heroes, like if you have three healers and three tanks, it's it almost doesn't matter what uh what tanks and healers you pick. It's still like a very uh, powerful comp if you play a regular 2-2-2 against it. Obviously, what we see now is the classic GOATS is the best configuration when you have to come up against another 3-3 composition. But as the game is now, uh, you can it's broken. You, you will definitely win. If you have like pro players play 3-3, it doesn't matter which tanks or healers, it will outlive and beat the standard 2-2-2. And I want to see DPS players... Uh, played again so i i get i guess i'm just not not bitter but i've i've watched overwatch long enough that i remember the days when everybody used to complain about um oh it's dive again it's dive again it's it's always the winston whatever and then and then the same thing happened with goats and and i kind of just get this feeling that people are always going to have something to complain about um and, sure. and us kind of you know adapting because of the complaining is like that's the losing game in the long run and that that's kind of my point of it is is like okay today it's two 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 that that also like we we keep focusing on goats but it also means the end of quad dps it probably means the end of of um any switch offs to to hamster at the last second just to hold the point like like a lot of these kind of weird things that we don't take we take for granted right now because we don't think about two 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 and so, so that's that's kind of my whole bit, and we we've talked about this at length before, so I don't want to rehash. But 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 I don't know. I, it, it's different, I guess. I mean, I, I maybe maybe I'll have a short term spike. I'm not as convinced as you are, Omni, about the long term kind of excitement. I don't know. We've we've had goats for over a year now. This is like the longest uh, kind of meta we had. Even with uh, dive, it at least it was entertaining. At least you had like potential to see pop-off moments at any given time instead of like oh what a great timing on that transcendence that's fun for the like first three times <laughs> but every freaking game I- i'm good i'm good how much <laughs> we, we talked about this in the in the payload how much is that to do with the mirror comp though right the brig pops and all the opposite yeah. brig pops and all the transcendence pop like it's yeah. mirror comp is two 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 going to solve the mirror comp yeah the, the ch- maybe maybe not i think now with the maps the maps will bring the variety a little bit we'll see it met us take time to kind of uh you know create or like uh become predominant in the meta we'll, we'll see it'll definitely be uh hella exciting and and varied at the start it'll be a mess for sure but this gotta mean we we're seeing more stitch, right? So uh, I hope. So what do you think? Uh, London is about to uh, win it out of nowhere again. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. Yeah. The well, actually, let's you know, looking back at the at the standings, it's 
not inconceivable to see that, you know, of the teams that are currently positioned within the league, that London's in a good spot. I mean, they're currently in the five spot for, for league standings. I, you know, the, the goat strong teams, uh, Titans and shock, they're at the top. They might drop a little bit. Like, I, I think there's, there is flexibility. A team like, let's say the, the Los Angeles Valiant, they're done. They might be able to flex into this DPS meta much better, but they're in a tough spot themselves. So I, I think it's possible a, a team like the Spitfire could see this change as the, their, their springboard into a grand championship. Um, back to the Titans, though. I, I'm, I'm actually curious. Who would be the six? Like, I feel that you would see Hoxall Stitch within the, the DPS role. I think your support would be Slime Twilight. But where yep. I get stuck is the tank role. I think I, I had a couple of variations of this. One is having Stitch and Hoxell on DPS. And that means actually I have Solmin Sue and Bumper uh, running, running the, the main tank and off tank. That's his one iteration. I know that, you know, takes away from, from Janu, but, but right now we're with Sombra, like we're seeing a lot less even. I think that gives them some flexibility. So there's one. And then of course the, the I guess more obvious one is just like a, a Solminsu swap for, for uh Hureg or Stitch. Yeah. I think the biggest switches will be between uh, Stitch and um, Solminsu. Solminsu can flex. Uh, somewhat to a DPS role, but with Janu, and that's why I think we see him play the the Zarya a bit too. I don't. I I think his obviously his Zarya is not great as Salmon Su's is, but I'm not sure how great Salmon Su's uh, Diva is. And Janu can play uh, the Wrecking Ball as well. I don't you know. know. Yeah, I was going to point out is in, in my mind like the reason I I have I give pause to who would be the starting tanks is that you know I feel Janu provides more you know, off tank versatility than, than someone so does. But yeah. then well, it's a good question. Like, and then yeah. the problem though, like it, with, with, with someone so in, in match, you know, sure. You can flip between a tank and average, like that that's going away. So where is that flexibility? I see bumper I bumper Janu as our two tanks. I think the answer is it lies in, in a question that Omni raised earlier is, is, is Zara, or I think you raised it, is Zara still relevant? Because, you know, I still consider us to have one of the best two Zaryas in the game. And when you have a weapon like that, uh, you got to use it, screw flexibility. You just, you just take the game. Um, but if they're not going to run the Zarya, then, then Solminsu is a little bit more kind of relegated to the bench, which I think they, I think, I think Solminsu did come off the bench when in the runaway days for a bit, if I, if I recommend correctly. Mm hmm. So it's it's not uncommon. And you know what? And on the Zarya note as well, it's not to suggest that Zarya could still could not be the damage dealer. I mean, she still can create significant damage output. It's just the ability to generate the charge is going to be right. um, much less from a survivability perspective. But eh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens in in stage uh, stage four, or who knows? Maybe the Vancouver Titans continue to play the craziness on the stage three playoffs. For all we know. I'm just glad that uh, if we still go to the two two two, I think we're we'll not be falling off too far because we're still gonna have the best backline in the league. So at least uh, Twilight and uh, Slime will be there. <laughs> you can be sure of that. 
And then uh, one final thing that we wanted to talk a little bit about is the fact that on the PTR, there is a new accessibility feature uh, available for those of you who uh, happen to have a PC and not a console like Sam. There <laughs> is, uh, uh, was it closed captioning? Um, yeah. That's been, been added. And, and it's kind of weird because it, it obviously reads the text to the, the vo- voice lines, what have you. And so then you have like Hammond where it's like hamster noises. <laughs> yeah pretty long hamster noises when he falls off the cliff or something like that so but the, oops, sorry. but there's uh, yeah obviously it's a super positive anything that can uh assist players who have uh any hearing disabilities awesome right and like hmm. with the color blindness features i'm all for it so there's no there's no questions there what it gets interesting is though when you are not like you don't have hearing uh, problems or disabilities uh, when you can hear fine. And then you uh, play, for example, as a Zen. And I saw like a, a clip for someone playing on PTR and suddenly you see like the cloaking sound and Sombra and whatever uh, voice line she does. So you can react both to the visual cue of that and both to the sound and now to the caption. So uh, I think it'll be a good thing to turn on. Even if you don't think you need those, mm. uh, um, you know, uh, cues. So it's another, uh, sensory device for you to anticipate, uh, super crucial moments in the game. So in the pro scene, if they get the option to use it, I'm hundred percent positive that they will. It's like another tool, right? As long long as you don't find it distracting because for some people that, that visual action would be a problem, but I hear what you're saying. Like I, I'll, I'll use the, the Sombra, uh, issue is that you know I was playing a little uh, mystery heroes over the course of the weekend, uh, and I, I'm not I'm not a good sombra, but I do realize that uh, I can harass, and it got to the point where in chat people are just going uh, crazy over like you know kill the sombra, kill the sombra. Their problem is yeah. they couldn't hear me uncloak. They were so focused on everything else that was going on, and I'd be you know hacking a Rhine and having them melt, or you know taking out their mercy and then having you know no healer. Um. If I was uncloaking, didn't matter where I was, and I uncloaked, the fact that the announcement would show up on the screen nearby, you now have your your trigger. Oh, keep yeah, and and I think especially for for mystery hero players and and other things like some like honestly, sometimes I play with volume off, but it's such a disadvantage because you know you're you're just playing a casual game, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe maybe you just you know pop it in for gaming and it's nothing serious. And and that's where where I don't even have the volume on, and and those moments are great because because now you can kind of figure out m- more of what's going on than than if I was completely. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm uh, reporting Sam for not joining voice comms. Okay, go ahead. Well, well, no. If yeah. you played like <laughs> P or in Mystery Heroes, wouldn't that be more like gameplay sabotage? <laughs> mm, eh, maybe. But no, it is definitely a good feature. I mean, I, I do agree. The more accessible the game becomes, the, the better the game will be for it. As we transition into the end of our episode, uh, guess what, boys? We got ourselves our very first voicemail. So again, for those of you that don't know, missed the last episode, the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast now has a phone number that you can either leave a voicemail to or you could send a text message to. So for you youngsters out there that didn't realize you can actually use the phone to call someone by voice, what? you can reach the Ready, Set, Poem podcast at country code one 
area code 604-409-3324. That is 1-604-409-3324. And I'm going to play the voicemail now. Hey, I just want to call in from Seashell BC and say, Titan Strong. Well, thank you, caller from, I think it was Seashell BC. I appreciate you being the very first person to to leave us that, that message. I kind of wish we knew who you were so I could, you know, give you some plaudits on the podcast and possibly in social and and what have you. But I am also equally happy that you proved Sam and Omni wrong. Uh, Omni, what do you think? Do you think it was actually like Chris kind of had the his own phone far away and then was trying to kind of record a, a fake message? Probably. But if not, I think we should open our fax lines as well. Our fax lines always been open, dude. Oh, were they? I'm going to sign one right now. Okay. Fax lines will be a thing for as long as the Canadian government exists. <laughs> if you've never dealt with the government, trust me, the fax machine is their lifeblood. Um, but as we wrap up this episode, uh, any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our, our thousands and thousands and thousands and even more thousands of listeners? I just say I just want to say uh, yeah I'm sorry about starting that uh countdown for the lossless season that didn't end well at all it survived only one game <laughs> I ha- I had that running through my head too <laughs> uh, last words for me just uh, stay positive kids the summer's here now so enjoy some sunlight and forest fires well okay it is that that time for those that aren't sort of uh aware of how things happen sort of around like metro vancouver is that as we get into the summer uh, there's a lot of trees a lot of uh tinder um ready to, to burn and unfortunately that season has begun there are forest fires and the smoke just sucks right into the uh, and be responsible during your hikes obviously oh yeah yeah i mm-hmm. the fact that most of the forest fires are human caused is just crazy like you know, you can sneeze and potentially spark a fire. That's how dry things are. So. Well, if you sneeze after fire noodles, that's uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much all right. There you go. Hitting fire. As for uh, everyone else, though, if you do wish to reach out to us here at the Ready Set Poem podcast, the easiest way to do so is by email feedback at readysetpoem.com. But we're also on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We've got our Facebook page as well as our looking for group facebook group that's rsp lfg and if you haven't joined please do so i plan on getting the uh the news and other such chatter going again it's been a a rough uh, couple of weeks for me but i'm i'm getting slowly back into the uh the swing of things uh also actually just on a personal note uh i've lost a lot of weight guys congrats man Sweet. i i uh, so I, I know i sort of shared this uh briefly in the last podcast but it's it's, it's been kind of Kind of crazy this journey. I mean, it's I'm 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 essentially transitioning from a Reinhardt main uh, into a Zenyatta. So like that <laughs> evolution is slowly taking place as as we speak. We're riding with you the whole way through the whole payload. I want to be able to to do that to run with you next year. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll join. There we go. See, well, RSP is going to be running in. Uh, was it the Run for Water or what? Run for H two O. Run for H two O. That's it. So for the record, I did shave 18 minutes off my time last year. So pretty, pretty happy, but it was uh, two seconds off my goal, literally. Well, you, but you didn't finish last. I did not finish last. There, that's and you're moving on. That's up. very important. Way to not be the justice. Yes. <laughs> or the mayhem. That's true. Mm. 
So on behalf of Michael at Sung Jung and uh, Sung, okay, um, <laughs> I need him here to to actually tell us, but it's Michael at Sung Woo Jim on Twitter, who is with us for the payload, Rowlett at Rowlett OW, but Omni at Omni Strife, Sam at another Sam Chan, and myself, Chris, at Light Force. Man, that was rough. Uh, thank you for tuning into this episode. We'll be back next week to talk a little bit about the Vancouver Titans facing off against the LA Gladiators, and we also will be talking about the Stage 3 Atlanta homestand that'll be taking place. So all that's going to be coming up next week, but in the interim, Hatchrays! Thank you.